Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Now we turn our attention to financial peace. This is our last installment. All of the messages have been based on uh, verses and passages from the book of Proverbs. Be thankful that the Bible speaks a lot about finances. And if a pastor preaches the Bible, guess what? He's going to preach a lot about finances. But I preach about finances for your benefit and for the ministry's benefit. Because this ministry can't benefit unless you are benefited. And it's my responsibility to share with you from God's Word the principles from God's Word that allow you to be blessed in order that you might be a blessing. Today's message is entitled, You Achieve Financial Peace When You Faithfully Give to God. Some people don't like hearing that, but I have to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, and that's what we'll do this morning. That title is based on what we read in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. This command is found in the wonderful book we, we refer to as Proverbs. Now, I love the book of Proverbs. I've been studying the book of Proverbs here lately in my morning devotions. Proverbs is a great book. It's an important book. Here's a quote about Proverbs that shows the importance of this particular book. It says, Proverbs accomplishes something no other biblical book does. It simply compiles numerous short instructions for living an effective life on earth. The writers of the book recognized the varied circumstances of a person's life and provided principles to apply in a variety of situations rather than instructions to follow in only a, a few specific instances. In other words, the book of Proverbs is filled with all these bite-sized nuggets of wisdom. And to learn them and live them is to your benefit. To not learn them or choose not to live them, you're taking a big chance and it cannot end well. Understand the importance of what we've been studying the book of Proverbs concerning finances. The book of Proverbs serves some great purposes. Quickly, to enable readers to learn and apply the fear of the Lord to their lives. To provide skill for living, successful living, from two perimeters of natural order and God's word. And, maybe most importantly from the book of Proverbs, when you learn the book of Proverbs, when you begin to apply the book of Proverbs, what it says about everything, including finances, you gain wisdom and you gain instruction. Proverbs really does give some of the best possible instructions on how to live your life with purpose, significance, and fulfillment. We know for a fact so many unsaved people around us are struggling. 
struggling as to what is life all about. And they try this, and they try that, and they think this is the answer, and they think that is the answer. And it just makes for a very superficial life that is totally unsatisfying. The book of Proverbs points us to what is important. God and his wisdom, his knowledge, and his understanding. And we have found that concerning something that's very important to each and every one of us. Our finances, our money. The Bible is not silent, and Proverbs isn't silent either. And we've learned some very important points from Proverbs concerning our finances. And again, it's something we all have to deal with, and probably pretty much on a daily basis. And we see so many people getting it wrong. The good news this morning is, Turn to the book of Proverbs and get it right. So far in our study of the book of Proverbs, we have seen that if if we're to have financial peace, you must first have a biblical philosophy of money. Not your philosophy of money. Not what you think. Not how you think it ought to be done. You're going to get in trouble. I guarantee, I promise you that. No, it's learning what the Bible says about money. If you're going to have financial peace, that means you're not stressed out at the end of the month. It it, it means that, that God has blessed you and you are comfortable, you are content with where you are. And the only way you will ever achieve that is what we learned in our first lesson. You must have a biblical philosophy of money. Again, you're taking a big chance that you can ill afford to take if you say, well, you know, I got my own ideas. I don't know about that tithing thing. I don't know about that giving thing. I don't know about that generosity thing. That's a clear statement that you're going to do it your way. And let me tell you, it ain't going to work, pardon my English. And we learned that in our very first lesson. The second uh, lesson that we taught was entitled very simply just work hard. If you want to have financial peace, you have to work hard. That's a biblical principle. The Bible is very clear about that. Now, sure, there are some people that can't through, you know, either mental limitations or physical limitations, or they've just gotten older in life. We're not talking about those folks, but we're talking about capable folks. The key to financial peace for capable people is that they work hard. Then last week we studied in Proverbs where it talked about living within your means, living within your means. So many people get in trouble because they live beyond their means. And that is a violation of a biblical principle that is there to protect you. Now, today, you achieve financial peace when you faithfully give to God. When you faithfully give to God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, again, says... Honor the Lord with thy substance, with thy resources. I mean, back in, in, in when this was written, it would have been more of, of with, with what you have, sheep, goats, and, you know, uh, crops and what have you. In today's uh, culture, it, it more, has more to do with our finances and, and our money. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now, get this. We don't want to forget the second part. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. 
Now, that's a promise from God. It's a command with a blessing. Here's the point. Here's the main point that I want to get across today. People who fail to tithe and give offerings to the Lord demonstrate. Now, this may hit hard, but it's true. Demonstrate a clear lack of trust in the Lord and therefore deprive Him of blessing them financially. Giving to God demonstrates a trust in Him that is worthy of His blessings. We read that again. People who fail to tithe and give offerings to the Lord demonstrate a clear lack of trust in the Lord. And there's no other way to say it. There's no kinder, gentler way to say that. And therefore deprive Him of blessing them financially. In other words... I'm not going to trust you, Lord, but I want you to bless me. You know, and I, if I was God, I'd be saying, no, that's not the way it works. That's just, that's just not how, how it works. The Lord's not going to bless fear or, worse than that, stinginess. Giving to God demonstrates a trust in him that is worthy of his blessings. Now, let's look at these two verses. And I'm, I'm hoping that as we look at them, if you're not there if it's not your custom, if you will, to tithe and give offerings, I hope that the blessing of you being here this morning and us looking at what this verse says in some detail, the Lord will grip your heart and you'll say, I can do this, and I'm going to do this. Proverbs, <clears throat> Proverbs 3, 9. There's my water here. Time out. One second. <clears throat> Proverbs 3.9 starts off with a very clear command. Honor the Lord. Okay, that's how it starts off. Honor the Lord. What does that mean? It means to reverence, to manifest the highest veneration for, in words and actions, to entertain the most exalted thoughts of, to worship, to adore. To honor God means to give Him The regard, respect, reverence, admiration, adoration, awe, praise, submission, and obedience which are due to Him. And that's the way the verse starts off. Honor the Lord. Show Him respect. Give to Him adoration. I mean, we do that humanly speaking. We honor George Washington, the founder of our country. I mean, our nation's capital is named after him. Why? In honor of George Washington, our founding father. The Washington Monument. He's on Mount Rushmore. He's on the dollar bill. And we assign respect and admiration to him for being the great man that he was. Now, if we can give such honor to George Washington and other national heroes... How much more should we, as Christians, give honor to the Lord, especially when it is is commanded of us to do so? Now, someone might ask, well, why? Why why do we honor God? Is is God being kind of of arrogant? No. Listen to what Revelation chapter 4 says. Thou art worthy, O Lord, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. He's, you know, we might debate whether some man or woman is worthy of honor. We might pick out some public official today, and somebody might want to honor that person, and somebody else might not want to honor them. And that could be up for debate. Not with God. As this verse says, he is, if anybody, if you will, is worthy of honor, it is the Lord. If there's anybody that we all ought to unanimously want to honor, it is the Lord. A couple quotes concerning that. God is deserving of the highest honor because of both who he is and what he has done. He is our creator, sustainer, and redeemer. Our very life and breath comes from God. It is in Him that we live and move and have our being. All that we have, we have received from Him. All things have been made by Him and for Him. One other preacher says, He is worthy of all honor. Take, for instance, God's position, power, accomplishments, integrity, and intellect. No matter which category we choose, God is to be honored above all. So, I think we could all agree this morning... That, yeah, if you're a born-again believer, it's incumbent upon you to honor God. Which leads to a second question, how? How are we to honor God? It says to honor, we would all agree, I would hope, that we will do that. Well, the Bible gives numerous reasons. By the way, and in these, this list I'm about to give you, you will see the word honor, and you will always also see give him glory. And those are one and the same. Honor means glory. Glory means honor. How do we honor the Lord? Well, number one, we can honor God with our words. The way we talk should honor God. Psalm 145.5, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. We ought to honor God. We all agree on that. And one of the ways we can do that is by speaking it. Telling folks that we honor God. And through our good, pure, clean language, the words themselves show a respect and reverence and honor for God. Number two, we can honor God with our songs. Psalm 66, 2. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. As we were singing this morning, the hymns. As you go about your day tomorrow and a hymn comes to mind, you start humming it or singing it. You are giving honor to the Lord. We can thirdly, Honor God with our deeds. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify or honor your Father which is in heaven. When you go about doing good and you're motivated by the goodness of God, you are indeed giving honor and glory to God through your deeds. Number four, we can honor God with our bodies and spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.20, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify or honor God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Living for God, taking care of your body, making sure you have the right spirit. That brings honor and glory to the Lord. Not done yet. 
Number five, we can honor God with our suffering for him. First Peter 4.16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God or honor God on this behalf. When you are made fun of at work or at school because you are a Christian and you live differently than the rest of them, God takes note that you are indeed bringing honor and glory to his name. Number six, we can honor God with our daily lives. 1 Corinthians 10.31, just in the routine uh, things of life. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory or honor of God. You see, as Christians, it ought to be on our heart and mind to honor God and glorify his name in every way possible. Sometimes, because of our sinful nature, we may struggle. We may even fail sometimes. But then we should be under conviction and ask God to forgive us and get back up and start living for God again in order to honor and glorify Him. And every aspect of our lives can bring honor and glory to God. But let's go back to Proverbs 3, 9. We said it starts off by saying, Honor the Lord. And this verse, too, tells us specifically how to do it. Not talking about our words here. Not talking about our deeds. It says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. One commentator, Barnes, says substance points to capital, increase, to revenue. Bible Dictionary says first fruits, the first agricultural produce of a season especially when given as an offering to God. God says, honor me. And he says, specifically, with your resources. Back in the Bible days, you would have had more produce and more animals than anything that you give to the Lord. Today, not too many of us have goats, sheep, cows, pigs, and what have you. Some may. But today, we are given... And our culture operates within, with money and what have you. Resources. That's how we honor the Lord. Several quotes here concerning this. A little background. The first fruits were presented by every Israelite to the priest in token of gratitude and humble thankfulness to Jehovah and consisted of the produce of the land in its natural state or prepared for human food. The first fruits also carried with it the idea of the best. In other words, right off the top, What it's teaching here in the history of this proverb is right off the top, first thing you give to God, and you give to God your best. goes on to say, It is not to be be supposed that because religion is holy spiritual power, it has no bearing on material things. Our religion is a mockery unless it affects the way in which we spend our money as well as all other concerns of life, as is demonstrated in the verses themselves. Goes on to say, property can be consecrated to God by being spent in conscious obedience to his will and by being used for the promotion of his glory, as in the maintenance of worship, the extension of missions, the relief of the poor, the sick, the widow, and offerings. Or, and offering. Try it again. Orphan. (laughs) Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10. 
if you think about it, there are some very serious points that are being made there. That if you're not there in faithfully tithing, at some point in time, you got to get there. And here are some thoughts, and this is the heart of the message right here, these next five thoughts. These thoughts, I hope, will maybe challenge the status quo if you aren't a giver. Maybe you give occasionally or you give a little bit as is able. These two verses we're looking at, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, challenges that. You're doing things your way according to your philosophy. And we started off this series saying, no, 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 no. You have to give according to the Bible principles, Bible philosophy. Let's consider what verses three through, Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10 means. Number one. We're to give to him and the work of his church, not after we have spent enough on ourselves, but beforehand. Now get this. This is a visible act of worship that manifests the intents of our hearts. Whether you give faithfully or not says a lot, number one, about your heart. And that's one of the things so challenging about preaching on money is, you know, these other things, you know, Every, I can say you honor and glorify God with your words, and you really can't measure that. Quantify it, I guess, is the word. So people don't get real convicted when you say, you need to, you, you need to honor God with your words or with your deeds. You can't quantify that. You know, you, you may think, yeah, I, you know, I, I do. I, I, I help people and do things. And so nobody gets upset. But when you say with your substance or your finances or talk about a 10% tithe, then folks get real antsy because that's quantifiable. That's measurable. Either you do or you don't. And that's why speaking on money gets under so many people's skin. All the other things I just mentioned, that other list of honoring God, nobody get upset about any of that. I could preach on that till I'm blue in the face and everybody go home feeling good. But money, everybody gets a little antsy. Oh, me. Because it's very much can be measured objectively. It can be quantified. You either are or you aren't. And that's a challenge. But with it comes a blessing that you're going to see in just a second. Number two, giving the first of what we have to our Creator is a tangible way of expressing our trust in Him to meet all our needs. It is a tangible, verifiable, even measurable way. Number three, if we take the first and best for ourselves and leave to God only what is left over, we are at least implying, if not outright declaring, that we are not sure whether the Lord can meet our needs. I should just pause right there and let that just simmer a little while. Sharon had some red beans and rice with ham and andouille sausage in it on the stove the other day, and it had to simmer for a couple hours. Oh, that was a good simmering time because I was working at the kitchen table, and I smelled it. This is a good simmering time. If we take the first and best for ourselves and leave to God only what is left over, we're at least implying, if not outright declaring, that we're not sure whether the Lord can meet our needs. And that says something about you, my friend. There should be, a, this is a, uh, the light on the dashboard of your car, that red light starts flashing. That means we got an issue here that needs to be attended to. Number four, 
It is not that the Lord needs our possessions in any absolute sense. Rather, the call to tithe and the sacrifice unto him is for our benefit. And it really does let you know, to a great degree, your spiritual maturity or lack thereof. Number five, if we give to the Lord before we give to ourselves, we are put in a position where we must trust God to make up for what we have surrendered to him. Such giving also helps us see the Lord for who he really is. So that's a pretty big command. A lot of responsibility when he says, honor the Lord. Okay, we all agree with that. Okay. With the first fruit of thy substance. Verse number nine, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. That's pretty heady. That's pretty heavy stuff. That requires some maturity. That requires some trust. That requires some faith. That may be the heaviest of all of the seven things or the seven ways that we mentioned that you can honor the Lord. That might be the most difficult, but guess what? I think the Lord knows that because he gives you a promise. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Of all of his commands about how to honor or glorify him, This one, which might be in a practical sense the most challenging, comes with what I believe is the greatest blessing. You show that you trust me, and you apply all of the Bible principles, not just this one. I mean, you can't start tithing to the Lord and and still not have a biblical concept of, of, of finances. You can't start tithing to the Lord and still spend like crazy. You can't start tithing to the Lord and not work hard. All of these work in conjunction with one another. You know, every one of these principles that I've been teaching are dependent upon the other. But it is true with this one. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And I can't help but share this with you. If you don't give to God, the Bible is very clear. It's robbing God. Who would dare do that? Who would dare risk what the Bible says is robbing God? Malachi 3, 8, will a man rob God? Ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have ye robbed thee? The answer, in tithes. And offerings. Therefore, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open, here it is again, you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I think the Lord is very much aware of the challenge of people trusting him with the money they need to make a living. And so in Proverbs and there in Malachi, when he reminds us of the fact that we're to honor him with our giving, he he follows it up with, now listen, there's something good in this for you. Trust me and I will bless you. Ironside, the preacher of years ago, said, But God, in his great goodness, pledges that a steward who honors him will not lack in barn or wine press. Many a saint goes on in comparative poverty because of his indifference to the principle here laid down. Many a saint goes on in comparative poverty because of his indifference 
to the principle here laid down. Goes on to say, think about that. The very being who holds the cosmos together, who created it all, will get personally involved in our finances and bless us through them. That's a good thought. That's a good thought. If we want God to get involved with our finances, then we have to trust him by keeping his word. Then we're honoring him, and that's when God will honor us. I want you to be blessed, folks. For this church to be blessed, and I, I just say it. I don't, I don't know that I've heard other preachers say it before, but I, I just say it because it just makes sense to me. For this church to be blessed, you've got to be blessed. And I want you to be blessed because I want this church to be blessed. I want this church to grow. I want it to have a greater outreach in 2018 and even more in 2019 and 2020 and as long as the Lord has us here. But we're not going to be blessed if we're acting in fear or just plain old selfishness or greediness or materialism. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. How? With thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. All I'm doing as a pastor is asking you to trust God. Take God at his word. Sharon and I have, ever since we've been married, tithed. And, and, and given beyond that. And, and have been blessed to do so. And the only time we get in financial trouble is maybe sometimes along the way I have not adhered to other biblical principles concerning finances as I should have. But that was my fault. That wasn't God. That, that's on me. One of the things I appreciate about Sharon, I don't know of a person around that is more sensitive to tithing than, than my wife. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I'll be asked to speak out and they may give me a love offering, and like a good husband, I hand it to Sharon. As usual, here it is. And it never fails. Any kind of blessing like that that might come our way, in addition to what we make here, first thing in her out of her mouth is, I'm going to tithe off of it. Go ahead, I guess, if we have to. But I'm proud of her for that. I want you to be blessed. Some of you need to take this Financial Peace University course coming up too. Because you you believe what I've preached this morning. You you know it's strictly Bible that I've preached. I haven't given you my opinion. I don't think about anything. I'm just telling you the Word of God. But there are practical things you need to know. And that's why I would encourage you to... Especially young couples, but not just young couples. I, I'm pleased to see there's, there's a wide range of ages of folks that are signing up out there. I think you'll be blessed for that. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website 
at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.